If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, Mm. friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It's IGN's weekly Xbox show. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is episode 612. It is September 13th as we sit here and record this. I'm in the San Francisco studio here joining me remotely. Stella Chung from IGN. Hello. Hi. And (laughs) Khalif Adams, our good friend who's been sitting in with us while Miranda uh, sits out getting all that great wiki coverage going with her team uh, for all these big games. Ka, good to see you. Good to see you as well. Miranda and team have been killing it out here. They have been knocking it out of the park. The guides and everything have been fantastic. So excited to be here rocking with all of you. In the, in well, out. and Spawn on Me, your podcast is also killing it. Everybody should be checking oh. that out on their platform of choice. If you are not familiar with Spawn on Me, it is a, a crucially important podcast in the video game space that Khalif hosts. Just go take a look at it. Give it a try. I guarantee you are going to be uh, enjoying that time that you spend with Spawn on Me. So don't miss that. Now, Kai, you before do you want to get do you want to get the thing out of the way that you wanted to do? Do you want to do it? I mean, I mean, if you watched Go last ahead, last it. episode and you saw and you saw the <laughs> wonderful jersey I was wearing last week, you know that I'm currently in mourning. No, uh, I was talking now... about the uh, I was talking about the 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 excited shout that you wanted to do. You wanted oh, to yell something. There it is. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I got to do that. It's, 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 it's Mortal Wednesday. As, as we record, this is not Mortal Monday. Yeah. But, oh, my, my heart is filled with joy and sadness at the same time. Yeah. So obviously now everybody knows we we're also talking about sports ahead of uh, ahead of the, uh, the, the recording here. The sure. insane Aaron Rodgers, you know, the, the just picture-perfect Jets scenario. And by picture-perfect, I mean just prototypical, Jetsiest thing of all time. Um, Rogers out for the year. But we're not. We're here. We're here to talk Xbox with you. Uh, Destin's not again. And I, but I can't yell at him this time because he took on the Spider-Man 2 preview assignment. I know this is an Xbox podcast, but for those of you like 
like us who are super interested in uh, in hearing how Spider-Man 2 is for the, one of this fall. Well, this fall's big PS5 game, certainly. We're going to have coverage of that, preview coverage on Friday. That's when the embargo lifts for that one. So thank you, Destin, for running point on that. Uh, and we'll have tons of stuff on IGN this Friday. But what we can talk about right now that is on Xbox next month, October... Khalif, you and I have been playing some Forza Motorsport. That preview build is up uh, for press. It's It's been uh, available for a little while. I'll throw it to you first. What have your thoughts been here? We've had a long break in the Motorsport series. This is the longest we've ever gone between Motorsport games. But I don't. do you agree that the time off has, has certainly been well spent? The game's looking amazing. Forza is pretty like it is one of those games that when you talk about showpieces this is one of those things and you bring people over to the house and they're like hey let me show you how far technology has come this is one of those games you get a chance to kind of show off to people yeah i mean it is it is a stunning stunning game that people are going to be able to play when this drops and i feel like as a person who is you know I, I, I'm a terrible driver. I, I, I definitely pull that into my New Yorkness coming into all of that conversation. But getting a chance to be behind the wheel, seeing all the weather effects, seeing the glint off the off the sun, off the off the windshield, and the way that they're kind of pulling all that together, and feeling like this game is probably the most approachable one of the Forza Motorsports games that I've played in a very long time. Yeah, this feels really really good i'm excited for what turn 10 is going to be bringing and, and so, hyped at what i got a chance to play a couple questions for you <clears throat> one which visual mode did you choose i found it very interesting that as you're jumping into the game the new yeah. forza motorsports got an option for you can go 30 frames a second with all the visual bells and whistles dialed up there's a mm -hmm. performance mode, 60 frames per second, maximizing performance. And there's also a performance ray tracing mode to get that in-game ray tracing action, but with, you know, kind of that middle ground of, of visuals and performance. So what have you been going with? I think I, I bounced between all three to check them all out just to see what the, the, the biggest deal was. And honestly, in a weird way, I didn't go 60 frames per second. I know people are going to be like, oh my God, blasphemy, no 60 frames per second. You didn't play a, a racing game in that speed. But in a weird way, I felt like 30 was just a really nice balance there. And it, it gave me enough of the visual pop there. And I'll go back and check it out again just to, to triple check my own my own feelings about it but initially it was the kind of ray tracing you know first mode yeah uh, was the one that i played because i i'm i'm playing this game for the pretty you know exactly. like i want this to yeah. be a thing that i want to see all those small details that they talked about in all of their marketing and and, and kind of you know ramp up for the game dropping and again why am i spending the money for this current gen system if i'm not going to see all the pretty in it so um it's it's a discernible kind of slight difference between the visual um flair that you kind of see in there but it does make a, a a big of a bit of a difference in my in my personal view in terms of what it kind of looks like yeah i also started in visual quality mode the 30 frames per second because mm -hmm. like you i was like all right this is my first time sitting down with this i want to see what it's visually capable of. And I have to say, I mean, I know the 30 versus 60 frame rate debate. A lot of people are, they just say, hey, I can't, 30 ain't it for me. I can't do it. I got to have 60. And in a game like this where it's a, it's a simulation racing game, I get it. But it was, in my experience, a, a, seemed like a locked 30 frames. So there was nothing jarring about it. 
Uh, I, I did really like the 30, but then I, like you, I bounced to the other two and checked them out as well. I, I think I'm going to land in the middle on the performance mm-hmm. RT. I, I think that's probably where I'm going to end up playing, but, uh, but yeah, like you, it's, I, I had the same experience. I mean, this is, I say this like every time there's any Forza game, Motorsport or Horizon, it's just like, I've run out of it's things to like superlatives to lay on the onto these games because turn 10 has never missed playground has never missed this game this reboot is uh by all accounts so far we all now to be fair we only have seen a little slice of it a couple of races a few cars there's way more left to see left to go through but i had a great time with it uh which which i expected to it's it almost (laughs) like i feel like I feel like I'm doing the game a disservice by just saying, yeah, it's a, it's every bit as awesome <laughs> as I expected it to be instead of sitting here like raving about it. Because if this were the first Forza Motorsport game I'd ever seen in my life, I'd be raving about it. But Turn 10 has done this seven times before. This is the eighth time. Surprise, surprise. They're doing it again by from what I can see. So, um yeah, just a, a lot to love here. Now, one other question before we move on, Ka, because and I know poor, poor Stella's being very, very <laughs> kind. She hasn't had a chance to play this. She's been busy with other stuff. No, it's fine. But uh, Khalif, are you which which camera mode are you? Are you a cockpit player? Are you a, a bumper cam player? A, a, a third person behind the car player? What do you like? So in an interesting thing, in, in, in real life, I have really bad spatial awareness when it comes to driving. So it winds up being a thing where I usually play in behind the, the car mode. Mm-hmm. This I've been playing in cockpit, cockpit mode. Yeah, I think it's been actually a lot better for me when I'm seeing turns and you know you get that visual indicator of how when to slow down, you get the markers and all that and, 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 and how to kind of you know, take the turns in the proper way. I feel like I can do that much better when I'm when I'm actually in cockpit mode because then I can see where things are moving. I can kind of judge my spacing. I can get to the apex of a turn a little bit better. Um, so weirdly, in this game, I'm playing in first person mode in in that kind of cockpit mode, which has been great. It's been yeah. a lot of fun to be able to do that, especially because I had played a lot of Gran Turismo in that mode too. So I kind of felt like that prepped me a bunch for this, um, but. Yeah, it's feeling really good. And it's also just a nice thing to be able to see inside the car, right? Totally. Like you're seeing all the instruments and seeing all those things, especially if you're a car head, like they do a, such a great job of, of representing and, and, and showing you exactly what the cars look like inside and out. So yeah, that's been fun. It's been a lot of, it's been a, a pretty good representation of what the cars it, cars can do and, and the ways things move within the game for sure. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat, rocking, rocking the first person <clears throat> cockpit view because it's, it's just so pretty like the, uh, how I've been, I love any, I think for me, just about any game I like better in first person. If there's a first person option, when yeah. Grand Theft Auto added the first person option, I, I played a bunch of that. Um, EverQuest back in the day, I would play in first person. Uh, I'm trying to think of games that have a, I mean, the, the uh, Bethesda Game Studios games. I know, I think most people probably play them in first person, but there is there is sure. the third person option. But yeah, I'm just, I always prefer the first person option. I just love the the immersion factor that's added. And, and in this game, yeah, it's just, it's so pretty to look at from inside these cars that uh, I can't, 
I can't not play in that mode, even though it's arguably a little more difficult to play in the in the cockpit view because you've got blind spots, right? You've got yeah. an A pillar <laughs> in your way, uh, but it's man, it is just it is too good. So um, for far more in-depth analysis of Forza Motorsport, we have a really excellent written and video preview on both IGN.com and YouTube.com slash IGN from our racing guru, uh, Luke Riley, who works out of our Sydney, Australia office. Luke, that literally, I've said this before, and I, I will say this till the last day of my career, there's nobody better at covering racing games in the video game media space than Luke Riley. Every major, like with very rare exception, every major racing game is reviewed by Luke Riley here. He eats, sleeps, breathes racing games. I think he's reviewed every, possibly every Forza, both Motorsport and Horizon for us. And mm. so he's got a, a very comprehensive preview that you can read or watch on IGN. And I encourage you to do just that. All right, uh, let's get on to the next topic here so we can get poor Stella in the mix. She's been very <laughs> no, it's patient. Fine. It's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like hearing that it's very approachable because I didn't think I would like Forza Horizon 5, but I really liked that. But also, that's not your typical racing game, right? Like, it's yeah. very open world. You can listen to your own music and, you know, drive wherever you want. So I'm just like, this is interesting. I don't think this is the game for me, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I mean, Motorsport's always been the racing game. Right, whereas yeah. I, I've, I call Horizon more of a driving game, and I do think there's a difference between those yes. two things. Um, but I'm glad you played Horizon and and be and because uh, it's so good. Everybody everybody got mm -hmm. some time behind the wheel with that one here at IGN, and it won our game of the year in 2021. Uh, next up, Xbox has announced a digital broadcast an xbox digital broadcast for tgs that's the tokyo game show coming up very soon the broadcast is set for september 21st that is a thursday it's sort of thursday morning for you east coasters but earlier than you might want to get up or wednesday late 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 night here on the west coast september 21st 2 a.m pacific 5 a.m eastern because of course it's it's uh, it's happening in Japan on Japanese time and Xbox will share progress on games from both Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda showcase games from creators mainly from Japan and Asia and make announcements of new games coming to Game Pass so pretty clearly worded there that we shouldn't necessarily expect actual new game announcements but some some good Game Pass news should be coming out of that. Quote, players can expect to hear progress. And eh, you know what? That quote just says the same thing I just told you. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't expect anything earth shattering at this. We'll have a recap for you on IGN in the very likely event that you do not want to be up in the middle of the night to watch it live. I will not be. I will not be watching this mm -hmm. at 2 a.m. Pacific unless for some <laughs> reason I can't sleep. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get the highlights the next morning, which we will have for you on IGN. Uh, the next, the first proper news story I wanted to discuss this week, this, this, I guess, surprises me, but also doesn't. And I'm really eager to hear what each of you has to say. I'll go to Stella first here. The Embracer Group. Remember last week we talked about them shutting down Volition, which was just so mm -hmm. extraordinarily tragic. Uh, not only the, the certainly for, first and foremost, the loss of, of those jobs, 
for that studio, but just what that studio has given us over many, many, many years. Well, uh, fortunately, it's not a studio closure at Embracer Group this week, but they're looking to unload one of their higher profile studios, that being Gearbox. So Reuters reports that Gearbox's parent company, Embracer, is weighing its options, one of which is a sale. Apparently, Embracer has received interest from a number of third parties. Neither Embracer nor Gearbox have issued comments. Embattled Embracer is currently undergoing a significant restructuring that has already seen the closure of Volition. Earlier this year, Embracer announced it would start to close studios and cancel games as a $2 billion deal reportedly with Saudi government-funded company Savvy Games Group fell through at the last moment. So, Stella... $1.4 billion is what Embracer paid for Gearbox just two years ago. What I want to ask you first and foremost before I go, or we'll go around the table, but do you think they're going to get that in a sale? Are they going to take a loss? What do you see as the value? You know, we've got the Borderlands IP. We've got Mm -hmm. the Borderlands movie coming up, which could... Could be a fact. I mean, you know, I mean, the ultimate example, which Borderlands isn't going to match, but look at Barbie. I mean, Barbie became this it, 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 an established IP over many, many more decades than than uh, Borderlands, certainly. But it, that movie being as good as it is has has now taken that IP to a, a, an even higher plane of existence. So. You have to acknowledge that that a Borderlands movie, if it's good and if it's super successful, could have a a similar kind of halo effect on the Borderlands brand. But you've got that. That's the big thing. They also do own Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> Randy Pitchford got his hands on that when he when he took over the project and finished the game and, and shipped it. Plus, they have their publishing division as well, who's they've published some nice stuff. Nothing that's been like a massive hit. That's not to that's not to, to cast any judgment on the quality of those games. But taking all that into consideration, $1.4 billion is what Gearbox was, uh, was worth two years ago. How do you feel about that now as they seemingly are going back on the market, Stella? I don't think they're going to get that same value. Um, it's, it's really interesting. I, d- I did see this news and I was just like, ah, oh, okay. Weird. Um, so I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, I don't think that they're going to be able to get that value that they were estimated at before. Um, and I totally forgot about that Borderlands movie, by the way. I like we have not heard about anything <laughs> yeah, about it. Like I next yeah. uh it's it's on IMDB, it lists it as August 2024. I don't know if that's a what confirmed, oh. but it's still a ways out, but it is it's coming. Yeah, I, I think at this point we've heard more about the Fallout series or the Fallout movie than yeah. than this. So the show, um, yeah, the show, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's mm, I don't know. I they've been quiet for a bit. I mean, apparently Tiny Tina did great, like it did better than they expected. But I still don't think that brings up their value up to what they were before. So or like what you know what they were estimated at before. So I don't know about that. Khalif, your thoughts on the. A, the value of, of Gearbox as a whole, but also any thoughts on who might look, be looking to pick them up? 
This is where I get to put my carnival carny hat on. It's like, hey, folks, we got something for you. <laughs> got a cheap studio on sale for you. Uh, it winds up being one of those things where now we get a chance to see, you know, this could be a potential, you know, shift or pivot for one of the big two where maybe Microsoft looks at this. I know they have a ton of things that they have going on right now with all the acquisition conversations there. Plus, what does that mean for the kind of overall sentiment around what that could be? Because the conversations around monopolies have been pretty big in yeah. terms of that company. But it would make a, it would make some sense to potentially even, you know, think about that. Or it could be a really interesting move for potentially Sony to come in and look at that in a bigger way where they could potentially snag a well-known developer and publisher to be able to pull a well-known and loved, beloved franchise into their portfolio to make that a much bigger kind of imprint on where they can move and maneuver in a lot of different ways. I think it's just going to be fascinating to see if this does become a thing where one of those companies makes that move and what does that mean? But they're not going to get the same $1.4 billion uh, that they got before for this. I think the, if you do think about the, the, the bigger slate of titles that come out of Gearbox at this point, it is very much a Borderlands universe yeah. in terms of the ways that folks are thinking about what they make. It would be interesting to see if they had a new IP that they were working on that maybe we don't know about. That could be something that if they go to potential investors to say, we have something very special that we're working on. You may not have heard anything about it yet, but this could be the, the the carrot on the end of the stick to to move that valuation up for them and to say, not only do we have video games, but we are in the movies game and we are in the entertainment game, which is one that Sony has already been doing with Sony Pictures True. and other Sony yeah. things there. And Microsoft has really just dipped their toes into it with the Halo franchise on, on Paramount Plus and other things like that. So that could be, depending upon who you are in, in those two uh, camps could be something really interesting to see what the forward progress looks like and potentially, especially for Xbox, does that move them into a more media friendly positioning for more franchises and more IPs that they have under their belt if they snag Gearbox. So lots of good stuff to, to, to dig into the further this goes, but the bigger story, even within that is again, Embracer group is like the, the, the Grim Reaper right now where everything they touch just falls out. And, and that's not a good thing for gaming. It's not a good thing for the industry. And that just makes everyone who's close or in proximity to them just really worried about what the future holds for, for, their, for their studios. Yeah. Uh, Battleborn was the last big yeah. swing, the last big non-Borderlands swing that Gearbox took. It did not work. I'm not saying it was a bad game, because by all accounts, right. it wasn't a bad game, but it didn't sell. It did not move the needle. Um, so you're right. You're really right about the, the borderlands factor. I mean, it is a, it is a very, I, I'm, I think it's probably fair to call it a top heavy studio right now in terms of its, it, the value of, of what it has work in its, in its portfolio. I mean, Duke Nukem, I know it's, it's kind of a joke at this point or, uh, I, when Forever came out, I, I would be curious, actually, A, if Stella played Duke Nukem Forever at all, or and then B, Khalif's opinion. No, no from Stella, which I'm not saying. I did not. You're probably no. a little too young for it at the time. Um, yeah. Because, gosh, that was, that was a while ago that that, that actually finally shipped. When was that? Let's see. That was, uh, they, it was the 360 era. I want to mm -hmm. say that was maybe mm. like, I don't know, 2009 
2010. Oh, wow. some, okay. Something like that. Okay. So Duke Nukem, Forever. first one was 1991. Uh, yeah. Forever was 2011. 2011. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. gosh, 12 years ago already. Um, oh my God. <laughs> that's, that is a long time. time is but flying. in any case, uh, for me, I mean, I was very grateful to Gearbox for picking that up and finishing it, even though it wasn't good. I played through it. It was not a great game, but for me, that was that was a rare instance of playable video game history was the way I looked at that game. You know, I remember playing it and there were, you could tell when some of the dialogue had been recorded a long, long time ago and some of it had been recorded more recently and not because of any sort of like audio quality disparity, but because of the references in the lines. Like there was stuff, there was, there were like really old references and then more, much more recent references that clearly were added after Gearbox stepped in. But yeah, it wasn't a great game, but it was, it was a really interesting playable piece of video game history. And I mean, I, I want there to be value in a in a in the Duke Nukem IP. Like I would love to see Gearbox reboot it. Uh, one of the probably best ideas I've ever heard for Duke Nukem. I, I, the credit goes to Cliff Blazinski, the father of Gears of War. This always just stuck with me. He said uh, he, he had tweeted at some point a long time ago. He said that he would love to see it come back, like be rebooted as like Duke Begins, where he's uh he's got to be or not duke but that would that was like the college version the his his idea was that it's he's coming back into the into the mainstream now but in this more politically correct world that he has to navigate because he's this completely politically like there there's definitely a lot of humor that could be mined there and if and smart game direction could make it a good first person shooter as well but as much as i would like there to be some some value in the Duke Nukem IP. I don't really see it. Khalifa, your thoughts on any on the viability, if any, of Duke Nukem in in the in the twenty twenties? I want to see that as a TV show of Duke Nukem <laughs> going through cultural sensitivity training in real time, because <laughs> that would not be a thing that would. I don't think you'd have to have a really brilliant game director and writing staff to make that work, because culturally he just doesn't fit anymore. Right. But I think that the the conversation about what that game brought and what the overall, you know, tone of what that was, was such an interesting sliver of time within not only the gaming space, but within the culture um, that it would be kind of interesting. But I think, you know, it, it, for its time, if you were able to have fun with it and think about it and take that part of your brain off for a minute, it was a fun time. It was an interesting time to, to kind of run through it, but could, could we bring that back now? Nope. <laughs> There's no, no way in that. Yeah. That you'd be able to bring that back now and have it land in the same ways. Cause I think what was the most recent kind of inappropriate game that came out that was even close to that that just bombed in terms of its, you know, connection to the space. I'm trying to think oh, of it right man. now. I but mean, it's, it's escaping me. I, I mean there, um, there was a sort of recent attempt Shadow at, Warrior, uh, maybe. I was thinking Postal Four. I know that's yeah. not like a big AAA oh, game. That's okay. a smaller, but that's like very in, intentionally irreverent Crass, and inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we're in an interesting space where I don't know if games like that can actually be viable anymore. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a, a testament to, to to the current space and a testament to the current you know vibe of the of the industry. But I think for what it was trying to do in those moments from the the, the gunplay perspective, that would be an interesting kind of take on it. Because even games like that now, the Dooms and you know like. I want a new rage game more than anybody else on the planet. Really? I loved rage. <laughs> loved rage, rage and rage two were great. I love those games with my whole heart. Um, but like those kinds of games where you're really going from corridor to corridor yeah. shooting stuff like that. Those also feel like they are a, a game of the past or a genre of the past too. So it would be cool to see. I just, and if they could get across that, that, that cultural, you know, line there, then it would be brilliant if they could make it happen. They can make it work. So, we're we're kind of in agreement that Duke Nukem probably not a ton of value in that brand. Nope. Um, I don't think anybody's any potential buyer would be looking to spin up a new Battleborn game. I don't think that's happening. So yeah, you're pretty much buying. You're buying. You're buying. Buy uh, Tiny Tina. Ty yeah. yeah, you're buying Borderlands. <laughs> and actually, wait, didn't. Didn't Gearbox, I'm going to have to fact check myself here. Didn't they buy Homeworld as well? The Homeworld IP? Oh. Yes, I think I did see that. Yeah. Let me make sure that I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And, you know, that, that, that I feel like would have some value. Obviously, that's a, that's a hardcore PC game. That's not something you'd probably attempt to even put on a console. But... You know, maybe maybe there's something there, but yeah, I if I were a prospective buyer of Gearbox, I would want to see a cut of the Borderlands movie because I would want to <laughs> if if um if I watch it and I think oh this is actually really good because it's uh, Eli Roth's directing it I believe. So if if I see a cut of the film and it looks like it's going to be awesome then maybe you know that that piques my interest a little more because like i said you get that you get that uh rising tide lifting lifting all ships there if the movie comes out and it's good and it's super successful Khalif? i mean well you put kevin hart in most things and it makes money um <laughs> true. but but i was looking at their publishing uh layer and they have some bangers in there uh i think hello neighbor is is still a pretty great game subnautica is a fantastic game uh, Risk of Rain, Risk of Rain Two mm. is in that is yeah. in that group, which is a, a they, cult classic. They don't own any of those, though, right? Those are just they games. don't. Yeah, they don't. But I think I feel like if you're going to make that, if you're a potential buyer, and and again, this is me spitballing because I don't know how the minutia works. But if you were to say we have an actual connection to all of these developers who are we've published games with them, you we can be the the middle person in a lot of those conversations yeah. for you as a as a as a potential buyer then you get stuff like risk of rain too i'm not going to say pen and teller vr f u f u f u and you <laughs> is the game that you should want but <laughs> but but like even if you think about remnant 2 which is mm -hmm. a game of the year contender that is a huge game that i think is in that portfolio that's true that yeah i retract my say, statement from earlier yeah. that they haven't had any smash hits clearly yeah i was i was wrong they have 
but they don't but but again it's it's the way that they promote that is very very kind of under the shelf right it's not yeah. a, it's not a full-throated we are the ones who are helping to bring this to you which for most publishers is their bread and butter mm-hmm. and being able to tell you why you should kind of align with them so yeah it, it could be some icing on the cake for a potential buyer to have that as a part of the larger conversation for what you want so yeah i'm gonna give you yeah. a little context on before we wrap this this segment just for the to to put frame that 1.4 billion dollar valuation again as of two years ago when embracer paid that much for gearbox sony paid three billion dollars for bungie insomniac was purchased by sony for 229 million dollars so first of all you look at that and you go i mean i look at that and go i think sony got a pretty good price on both of those because i i i'll I'll say and this is no nothing against gearbox i would rather if if i'm a deep pocketed venture capitalist or deep pocketed game publisher looking to make an acquisition i would rather have bungie at twice the price of gearbox Mm -hmm. I'd rather have Bungie uh, because of the kind of games they make, the, the fact that they have proven that they can make an... Really, they've been the only ones to prove that they can make an ongoing live service looter shooter that, that continues to generate revenue and keep players engaged. Uh, and they have, you know, Marathon coming up. And, um, but of course, they're not for sale. Sony bought them. But it's just, just as an example here. And then... The, possibly the steal of the century is Insomniac at $229 million. I mean, that obviously, that's like signing, I don't know. That's, I'm trying to think of a good, what's, Kyle, what's a good like sports contract that's analogous to that where <laughs> you sign a guy for relatively cheap and he just goes off and becomes like the MVP? Jalen Brunson. I'm going to go back All to right, my Knicks. Jalen Brunson. Knicks yeah. As a Knicks fan, Jalen Brunson, all-star, yeah. MVP. I'm saying that right now. Got him on the cheap for what you could potentially right. Below you know, market see value, his value contract, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That is a wild number that you said. $229 million yeah. for what Insomniac puts out in the world. That is wild to know that that was how much they got. Uh, bought out for yeah they've that's, they've that's, only that's, released uh, a couple spider-man games since then they got a third one coming uh they've put out just uh, the most beautiful game i've ever seen in my life thus far ratchet and clank right? rift apart uh oh, you know they're working yeah. on wolverine so it's yep. <laughs> i'd say sony's gotten their their 229 million worth and then some out mm-hmm. of out of uh insomniac but yeah I, with kind of those two as as opposite ends of the spectrum I all I I'm making it unanimous with the three of us who of course we're not in business we're not in finance what yeah. do we know but I personally don't see Gearbox worth an eight figure amount of money I just I just don't see it so we'll see who uh who decides to step up and and buy them whether it's a Microsoft a Sony or mm-hmm. somebody like Every an heart. Amazon right you know, could, could potentially jump in there as well. So we shall see. Speaking of very successful game developers uh, who have a big IP that they rely on for the bulk of their, their income, Epic Games 
Donald Mustard. And if this, you don't know this name, I'm just going to, I'm going <laughs> to run through it with you here now. Cause so Donald Mustard, he's been the chief creative officer at Epic for quite a while now. In fact, ever since his studio chair entertainment was acquired by Epic, it's gotta be around 10 years ago now, maybe more. But Donald Mustard is uh, is retiring from Epic, and Fortnite will obviously be the, the first game on top of uh, his very impressive resume, but here on Podcast Unlocked, where we celebrate all things Xbox, I want to tell you about the three great, and in my opinion, underappreciated Xbox exclusives that Donald Mustard had a big hand in creating. The first one and the best known of these, uh, also, I think the most recent, can't remember if this one or the third one I'm going to mention came first or came last, but Shadow Complex, one of the best Metroidvanias of the last 20 years. It was a Summer of Arcade hit on, on Xbox 360. Ka, what do you remember about Shadow Complex? Shooting in a 45 degree angle at doors. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a very very special moment that game rocked that game was very very good yeah. do you ever play that one stella or do we need to get you I, on that i did not i guess you have to get me on yeah. that <laughs> we'll make it happen here it is if you're watching us on on video oh. on youtube here's some gameplay mm -hmm. footage of shadow complex you know oh again <laughs> you got to remember this is an this was an xbox 360 game so visually it might not necessarily knock your socks off now but this was a very beautiful game at the time uh and more more than beauty it just had it was just gameplay wise <laughs> such a good metroidvania it was no this just looks so fun good. yeah it looks it looks stressful like especially with that giant what was that the the, the little saw the that was following you around, or the ball <laughs> or whatever it looks fun it looks like it, it looks like it goes through different pacing too which is very interesting yeah this was a tremendous game uh, still fondly remembered every time oh, i would okay. see donald which would usually be at one of the big industry events i would say so when are we getting shadow complex too because <laughs> he always talked about it but uh understandably the multi-billion dollar <laughs> juggernaut that is Fortnite occupied his mm -hmm. time once once epic acquired his studio and he became the chief creative officer for all things Fortnite. the second game and now, now I'm gonna. These next two are gonna test either one of you. I'm really, I'm, I'm letting Stella off the hook because these are these are from quite a while ago. But Khalif, <laughs> here we go. Did you play Advent Rising on the original Xbox? Probably. I have, that's one of those times where I'm like, Red, save me, show me footage so I can actually oh, remember will. what it looked like. I'll, well, I'll tell you about it in the, in the meantime because I reviewed yeah. this game for Official Xbox Magazine. Oh. Uh, this was a, I will say up front, this was a, a technically flawed game. The frame rate was not good. It just, it was very rough around the edges technically on the original Xbox. But it was a third person action adventure with a story written by Orson Scott Card. And this was a game that had one of the most compelling story. Obviously, it's the, the video, the, tri the trilogy begins. We only ever got one game. <laughs> kind of like Two Human. No. It's Advent Rising <laughs> and Two Human are the two unfinished Xbox trilogies. But 
Um, Too human. My God, I love that game. Yeah, this was such a wonderful science fiction story. And Mm. over the course of the game, it's one of those games that does the power curve is so good. You just get more and more powerful as the game goes on. And and the game, the gameplay amps up to reflect that as you go. And by the end of this, like the story is, is firing on all cylinders, the gameplay. I mean, you're seeing it on video here where you're doing all these like side dodge rolls and all these cool (laughs) jumps and these telekinetic powers. This was a game that I would, I would say it, it was, it overachieved on the original Xbox in terms of its, what it was doing with gameplay, what it was doing with story. And yeah, I don't actually remember what I gave it. Um, uh-huh. Let me, I'll see if I can find it. But as I do that, Khalif, is, is any of that footage ringing any bells for you or no? It, it did actually. I was like, oh yeah, this was the game that had the almost Warthog and a lot of the almost Halo bits and a lot of, it was like Halo and 007 mashed together in weird ways. Like the ways <laughs> that some of the characters looked and stuff like that for the time. Um, yeah, it's. I, I do remember playing this. It, it, it now looking at the footage again, I was like, "Oh yeah, that was way back in the day." But I definitely did get some time on the sticks with it for sure. It, it, I don't remember if I liked it, but I do remember playing it. Ooh, it's on Steam. Oh yeah, ten dollars. Still, still playable on PC. Yeah, Ooh. it's. Um, I'm. I'm. Huh. As I'm now trying to find. So the Metacritic on this was only sixty-eight back in the day. But this was one of those games, um, I, would, I would put it kind of in that category with Rise, Son of Rome, the, the Xbox One launch yes. title, where it's mm. clearly flawed, but you still really enjoy it anyway, even, even acknowledging its flaws. Uh, let's see here. Where? Okay, view critics. I, it, it still bothers me, just it bothers me and me alone to this day that... <laughs> my former employer future publishing that all all of oxm's gone there's there's no yeah. online there's no digital archive like there are there oh, are fans no. out there there are there are community members that have like done scans of the pdfs and you can dig those up and find them but there's no sort of official archive of the official xbox magazine and so m- much of the first 10 years of my career are like literally in physical magazine racks in my in my <laughs> attic like in storage right now at home but let's see here let me just see if oxm's there it is oh so i did i gave it an 8.0 because we were on the 100 point scale so i gave it an 8.0 so i i went well above the metacritic average here uh from the <clears throat> july 2005 issue of oxm I said, uh, in summary, all told, Advent Rising does a whole lot more right than it does wrong. If this really is the first of a trilogy, whoops, we'll be the first in line for the next installment. Huh. Um, so anyway, I wanted to celebrate that Xbox, that, that game never came to another console. So uh, as, as Stella kindly pointed mm-hmm. out, you can play it on for cheap on PC and grab it on Steam. And yes. that would solve the technical issues. Your frame rate's going to be totally fine <laughs> if you play it now oh. on a PC. So, okay. um, so there's that. And then the, the final game, and this one, I'll admit, I didn't play as much as the other two, which I played all of, both Shadow Complex and Advent Rising. But Undertow. Ka, any memories of Undertow? They're, they're sort of undersea. Another Xbox s- summer of arcade um. game. 
That one I did wind up missing. I don't remember. I, I remember it. I remember people talking about how much fun they had with it, but I that was that wasn't Ooh. a game that really hit my radar in the same ways that it hit the kind of um, the the zeitgeist of the moment. Because I think summer yeah. summer of games was one of those moments in the Xbox life where it was kind of must see TV. Most of the games that wind up in that service were things that you were compelled to play. Uh, but this was one of those games that I just missed. It was it was a lot of fun for what I've heard, though. Join up to 16 players in underwater battles for the survival of humanity. Nonstop action ensues through four multiplayer modes and a robust 15-level single-player and co-op campaign featuring stunning graphics and special effects. Hours of explosive... This is the product description on Xbox.com, by the way. <laughs> uh, hours of explosive gaming action await you in Undertow's immersive underwater environments with depth charges, missiles, and vehicles. And uh, yeah, this was a good one. This was a good one back in the day. Probably, again, my least favorite of those three, but another Xbox exclusive that Donald Mustard had a, had a big hand in. So um, I just wanted to... Take a minute here as he steps down from a very prominent and probably very highly paying job at Epic to oh. uh, to walk away. The guy, he must have like the fu money to just walk away and retire at this point. And eight, <laughs> he's a young man. I think so. Yeah, he's he's a young man. If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name, like Visible. The wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Yeah, on his Twitter, he said that he, he was excited to spend more time with his wife and family. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, no, after, yeah. after all that, I think you... Well-deserved. Go, go take a long nap. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then... um. I was actually curious about who's taking over, and apparently it's Charlie Wen. Yes. Um, oh. Yeah, and he... Former Sony guy, right? 
yeah, the character design of Kratos was created by Wen, which is actually really funny because Kratos is in Fortnite now as a skin. So it's kind of like a weird, like full circle <laughs> thing. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, and then he also led Marvel Studios' visual development division for several years. Um, and he also helped lead Riot Games' film division, and he worked a lot on the MCU films. So it's kind of cool. They have some very good people working on their games there. So they're they're yeah. they're pretty solid. Yeah, they seem like uh, Fortnite seems like it'll be in good hands uh, despite <laughs> despite Mr. Mustard's retirement. So, Donald, what a name. Thank I you. love that name. Thank you for the uh, <laughs> all right. for all the great Xbox exclusives over the years. All right, let's now actually get to our headline topic this week. And that's the Xbox MasterCard. Yes, this is a real thing. Microsoft is partnering with Barclays to create an Xbox MasterCard. It is a no annual fee card that will be available exclusively to Xbox insiders in the continental US, Alaska, and Hawaii, which would mean all of the US. I don't know why they decided to specify <laughs> continental when Alaska and Hawaii were part of that as well. Uh, starting on September 21st, so next Thursday. According to Xbox Wire, cardholders can earn card points for every dollar that they spend on purchases. In particular, buying eligible products on the Microsoft Store will net cardholders five times the amount of points, while eligible streaming services like Netflix and Disney Plus will dish out three times the points. Hmm. Gamers have to eat too, so eligible <laughs> dining delivery services such as, I didn't write this, such as Grubhub and DoorDash provide 3x points as well. All other types of purchases will earn the regular 1x rate. Uh, there are several other benefits like a 5,000 card points bonus and three months of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for new members after a cardholder's first purchase. Existing members can gift their Game Pass perk to another friend. Additionally, there are five different designs for the card, and cardholders can personalize them with their own gamer tags. Shout out to my Xbox Live Diamond card from back in the day. Shout now, I should have brought it with me today. It's still in my drawer. Uh, on September 21st, the card will be rolled out to insiders in waves. Next year, the card will be available to all Xbox players in the U.S. Stella... Do you want to yeah. get your hands on the Xbox MasterCard and start buying things with it? Not really. <laughs> but that's just because I don't like opening up new credit cards. It has nothing to do with this. If this was my first credit card, absolutely. Because, like, I actually, maybe it would be worth having just because I do spend a lot of money on games. And also, I could move my Game Pass subscription to this card and just rack up points every month. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing. But also, you know, I would have to factor in the APR because I already have my other credit we'll card. We'll talk about it's that those, in a second. Yes. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things of like, God, I'm such an adult and I hate it. I feel like I am just a teen. Like, I'm, I'm like stuck at 23 in my brain, right? So for me, I'm just like, ah, a new credit card could be good. Could also be dangerous because I play a lot of games. So if I bought things and also moved all of my streaming services subscriptions onto this card, hmm, would it end up paying for itself? Is it a better idea? You know, it's one of those things of like, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. Let me talk about it with my financial <laughs> advisor, which is just me in the future because I don't want to think about it right now. <laughs> Kicking the can down the road to, to your financial advisor. That's for advisor. future Stella to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for you, future Stella. <laughs> Khalif, how about you? Your thoughts on the Xbox MasterCard? 
as a person who has spent most of his 30s <laughs> trying to repair his credit and get to no! a decent score. <laughs> hell no. But I think the, the <laughs> honestly, I would get it for one purpose and one reason only just to piss people off on the internet. As a, oh. as, a, as a person who has, at least for the past 72 hours, has been called multiple versions of an Xbox shill, I just want to <laughs> put it up like this and be like, hey, everybody, look at my uh, wonderful MasterCard by Xbox. I'd love to well, you to pay, the, no, this. The, the, the power like, move would be to take your Xbox MasterCard and go buy a PS5 with it. Oh, yeah, oh. I, would, I would find multiple ways to troll people <laughs> with my, my new Xbox MasterCard. But I, I think I do like the, I mean, I'm a big fan of point systems like that, point, point reward systems yes. like that. If there are ways to maximize and kind of game the system in, again, legal ways, yeah. game the system to be able to get the most value out of that stuff, I think that there's potential value in that for, for the consumer. I also, this does bring up a, a, another kind of layer of this, which I think I'm hoping the Xbox folks are, you know, again, paying attention, listening to this. As a person who gets a lot of pop-ups on my console about how many weekly points I'm earning for stuff to redeem, I would love to have that system kind of, you know, uh, streamlined in a way so that those things kind of talk to each other. This is a perfect way now to adding this thing to the ecosystem as you're seeing that be a part of, you know, way, ways people are purchasing to tie that stuff into that greater ecosystem of point redemption and things like that to yeah. make all of that process a little bit easier. Because right now it's, you got to go over here to go get these points. You got to go over there to get the points. And then the points <laughs> still don't really get you to a thing that you actually need or want. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I love your idea, Stella, of putting your subscription on this. If you mm -hmm. were going to do it, that seems like the best way to kind of go about. If you were going to use this thing, again, we are not financial advisors. Do not come yeah. at me <laughs> with all the people rolling up at us. And just like, you just told us to buy this thing. Don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Sit back and wait. And now we can talk about the APR nonsense because yeah, that you, is madness. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll say... <laughs> Uh, we are not financial professionals, and you should not take <laughs> no. financial advice nope. from us. But you should also not not take financial advice from I mean, us. So, like we're 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 gamers for a living. So take that how you will. You know. <laughs> so yeah. the plus side here, there's no annual fee. Like for me, I I have two credit cards, and mm -hmm. I make sure neither one of them has an annual fee. So that's okay. that's you know that's there's no. You don't have to pay anything just to have the credit card here, which is nice. Uh, and then as we've covered, you do get lots of Xbox specific bonuses, which is also nice. But on the downside, that APR that, that you've both been hinting at, it's, uh, it's not insignificant. The APR goes between 21% uh, on the low end, the low end, Damn. and that's if your credit is good, your, your credit score. And if your credit score is bad, it goes all the way up to a max of 32% APR. So that is, I mean, to, to just get real serious for a second, that is like actual dangerous kind of territory if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. So just kind of factor that in mind if this sounds like it might be of interest to you. I mean, I know we have a lot of younger listeners out there who maybe you're looking to get your first credit card. And I, I would just... I would genuinely advise you to to talk to a, a, a adult that you respect and trust in your life and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting this card. Can you kind of tell me if you think it's a good idea? Because I know when I was a teenager getting my first credit card, I knew nothing. And my in fact, my parents didn't know much about finance finances either. Like I've learned now, like, again, not financial advice, but uh, I am under the impression that it's very good to 
I don't use my debit card or cash for anything. I use my credit card for everything, but I pay it off at the end of the month and it's in full. Mm. I just make sure I don't spend more than I can pay off because that builds your credit rating. So again, don't take financial advice from me, but that's that's how I've how I've handled uh, it things. It sounds smart. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, w- my credit cards have cash back, so that's how I make use of that stuff. Okay. So you know, this is this is a gamer version of that, and it it could be good again as long as you're paying it off. Don't get that APR will kill you if uh, from a financial financial mm-hmm. perspective if you are not careful. But um, Ryan, but Ryan, yeah. gamers have to eat. Stop. Oh my God. Oh my God. I gamers I, gotta eat. I love that we just burst out laughing. <laughs> Ryan's like, I didn't write this, by the way. Like, just so you know. I would I would tell you if I had. Um, oh. But it is actually kind of great. This honestly would be a great credit card for streamers, just because I know a lot of people do not cook they don't have time for it because they're always streaming yep. and they doordash a lot of things so this is perfect for them but again the apr that's a lot of you know that's something that will bite you in the butt and also i i love that you can add your gamer tag on there but it, it's like it already has so much sensitive information do you really want that like i don't know that makes me feel a little nervous about it i'm just like you know it's fine well, i don't need my gamer tag on everything that- <laughs> You'll be paying that card off until the Xbox Series Z comes out. You will not do that. I will stay at home and pay for stuff. If if my credit card got stolen, I'd be a lot more worried about the credit card number than the gamer tag. I mean, yeah, true. But also, like, what if your gamer tag is like stinky butt sixty nine or something, and you have that at the front? Like, yeah, that's me. Look me up. Look at my KD ratio on Halo Infinite, girl. I really you hope whoever get it stolen. <laughs> I really hope whoever has that gamer tag, please, if you're that user out there, please get this get this MasterCard because that just needs to be on a physical. Like you think about it, our gamer tags, they're not in physical space at all. They don't exist right. in physical space, but mm-hmm. because of this credit card, it can. And so, Stella, give us that gamer tag again. What was it? <laughs> what was it? Stinky, stinky butt 69. <laughs> I There's... want you to pay for something really important with that card. I want you if to you... go like, hey, <laughs> like, hey, I'm paying for my son's prom. Here's my card. Stinky butt 69's card. I'm putting my mom's medical procedure on this card. Like, <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Stinky Butt 69. Can you please come to the front? Your card has been declined. Can we help you, <laughs> Wait, Can we help so you reconcile this, please? Like, imagine going on a date and that's your card oh. and it gets declined and you're like, I'm sorry, Mr. Stinky Butt 69. <laughs> Can you give us another card to pay yeah, for what this? If, this really that's working. true. What if you're on a what if you're on a first date? The bill comes, you know, you each put your card in to split the bill, and, and the person you're with, you know, just takes a look at the at the at the fold, you know, the little the little binder that has the bill mm-hmm. in it and sees and, and then asks you like that that could be that could be a a, a, a a something that keeps you from getting a second date right there. That's that's dangerous <laughs> territory. That makes me extremely happy I'm not in a dating pool anymore. <laughs> that would be that would be an instant nah, I gotta dip out of this one. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to swipe me whatever way you need to swipe me to get me the hell out of here. Yeah, even if it was a miss. Stinky button 69? 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sorry. There's, there's a lot going on with that with with stinky butt sixty nine. Like there's 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 a lot going on there that I, I think needs to, this this was the first thing. This just jumped right out off your off your lips. This this just this was the first thing that, that just popped out of your mouth. That I'm I'm a little uh, concerned here that No, it's fine. Oh. <laughs> but if someone does have that username, please at us on on, on this episode because I, I we would love to chat. Oh <laughs> uh, well next now, guest on spawn on me. Now I have to look up and see if that's a real gamer tag on xbox.com like if i it go to my to hold on if i just go to my profile it would have to be i've seen so I, many I, terrible permutations and stuff be, right it has to yeah. be <laughs> if this conversation doesn't move us up to the number one xbox podcast i'm gonna be mad <laughs> well Oh um, God, boy, we we covered a lot of ground in that segment. <laughs> like, we we went from we went from uh, APR fees and and uh, responsible spending habits to <sighs> to uh, Stella's burner gamer tag. Yeah. We, we covered a lot of ground there. So, uh, yeah, oh. I guess my parting thought on this is that you know the. The, the old MasterCard, I think the MasterCard slogan has to be changed for this specific Xbox gamer, uh, Xbox MasterCard, because, you know, you, you do most of your video game playing at home. So uh -huh. instead of don't leave home without it, it it's got to be like, <laughs> don't stay home without it. Right. Doesn't that have to be the, the new yeah. the slogan for this one? I well, mean, it depends. <laughs> Go ahead, Stella. Uh, I mean, yeah, but like, that is a good one because you know all of those services that you get points for you can stay inside That's for true <laughs> also oh, if you man. have a stinky butt stay inside please. oh my god <laughs> just wash the stinky butt just wash the stinky so butt that has to be the cold open red please <laughs> <laughs> oh he's he's licking his chops right now his uh, oh, absolutely god. all right see destin <laughs> You you had to you had to go and do work. You could have been here for this. Oh man! All right, um, Stella, let's let's yes. let's pivot to something that's uh, definitely more of your expertise here, which is competitive uh -huh. first-person shooters. Okay. Since none of us really know anything about about credit cards uh, and how to <laughs> properly use them, so Ubisoft uh, might be launching x defiant in the next couple months or so uh because what happened is they failed certification with both playstation and xbox in a written mm -hmm. update their producer mark rubin said that ubisoft started the certification process for x defiant on both playstation and xbox at the end of july which is not uncommon for a game that was uh, due to come out and i believe late august originally However, in mid-August, Ubisoft found out that the game had received a not pass, which I find a little hilarious that they, they put <laughs> it that politely, like, sorry, it's a not pass instead of you failed. You failed certification. 
Uh, if it had passed, the next Defiant, yes, would have been released at the end of August. Now Ubisoft has to uh, search for compliances and functionality bugs within the game and fix them so that it can ship. Ubisoft plans to resubmit to first-party platforms for certification again in less than two weeks. If it passes, then it can officially be released by mid to late September. Uh, Ruben also states that the game will likely receive a conditional pass, meaning that Ubisoft will have to implement a day one patch, and X Defiant is looking at an early to middle October release. And he says, quote, if we were following the standard rules for game releases, we would have set a date far enough in advance with enough buffer to have a confident release date. In other words, if it had failed, they could have still sorted it out and made their release date. However, like a lot of things with this game, we have not chosen the typical route. So, um, Stella, just to before we kind of get into the, the certification aspect of this, because this is some kind of interesting how the sausage is made stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that I have a little bit of famili familiarity with over the years because official Xbox Magazine's game disc, our playable game demo disc that came packaged with every issue, that had to go through cert every month because it was basically, oh, it was an Xbox okay. game that we were shipping every single month. So I have a little bit of, of knowledge and experience with that. But uh, X Defiant, this game had been kind of a joke initially, but you played it not that long ago and, and you were, you'd really come around on it, right? Yeah, it, it seemed like they had actually taken player feedback over the years and applied that, which was great. Um, also, the fact that they were able to play test it with so many people, um, you know, in, a, in the open beta was was amazing because then it, I keep saying this, but I remember the first iteration of X Defiant, you had to like close the curtains. You, they didn't want you to play with the curtains open because they didn't want anyone to see it. So, and I, I, I did criticize Ubisoft for this. I was like, no, you need to understand that the key thing that is missing with you and your audience is that you don't talk to your audience. So the fact that they did the play test, that they were able to get so much feedback, um, it's great. Now, of course, the beta did have some issues. This I mean, kills me the, to see. I'm sorry, I have to just jump in for a second. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that Splinter Cell uh, again. I know, I know, I'm just a broken record, but <laughs> they keep putting Splinter Cell in games except for Splinter Cell games. Sorry, go ahead, Stella, please. I know, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friend is a huge Splinter Cell fan as well, and is very disappointed. But, anyways, um, yeah. Now playing this this test, there were a lot of issues that actually I did run into this, and I don't remember if it's in this video. This is me playing, but there was an issue where you would spawn in. Um, and you would not do any damage. You couldn't do anything in the game. Like you couldn't switch weapons. You couldn't throw anything. So you would just run in and have to stand in and then die until, you know, you can respawn again. And hopefully you don't get that bug. So I'm not like, I don't know. It is interesting. We haven't heard of many games not passing these certifications in modern times. So it's interesting. But also I'm like, wow, that's weird. I thought they really did a lot better in the last few updates. But then I was like, mm, no, there were some pretty big bugs and also when the game came out when when the test came out for more players there definitely were some networking issues uh there were some mismatches on pings it was pretty bad so i was like okay no that kind of makes sense but i know that this can be worked on right i mean they're constantly working on the game and then they can re re-up for a certification yeah, again which is good so yeah yeah I, by the way i in this footage of you that we're watching i think you've died once <laughs> Granted, it's, it's a lot of different clips but 
yeah uh... it was um yeah most of them were taken from just a few games because i i most of the kills were like in one game because i was on a roll there but also there were definitely i mean i'm not going to get into this because there's i could talk so much about this which is what this video was for but there were lots of imbalancing yeah Uh, there were lots of balance issues with like certain classes like this class i was playing was pretty great also the healer class you can just you never die so um yeah (laughs) yeah this this game moves at about seven times the speed of of any splinter cell game (laughs) the the pacing is is uh not particularly splinter cell-y but there's splinter cell stuff in it anyway Mm-hmm. Khalif, have you have you taken a look at this game at all? What are you this because this is this is definitely a like on paper you could easily roll your eyes at this game, right? Like taking all the Clancy verse right. stuff and and <laughs> and shoving it all together in one one multiplayer game. But um, does I mean, like I, I guess I'll a just ask you your general opinion on X Defiant, but but b should they even be shipping this in October? Like in terms of, you know, they're trying to build an audience, but there's, it's kind of a busy fall. (laughs) There's a couple, a couple of layers to this, which I think is going to be really interesting how they kind of work themselves out of this pickle, which is learning about cert is not a thing that I think a lot of players and gamers and consumers actually care about, but, for a game that has not gotten a lot of good buzz around it, that could be a negative to folks who are thinking about potentially playing this. Mm-hmm. Because if they're saying this and saying, you can't even get your stuff into the store on a disc in digital form from both companies. It's not like they just failed it from just Xbox right. or Sony. They failed it from mm-hmm. both, which have different versions of what certification means to be able to get your game on a platform. That sends huge red flags up to be able to say, is this game ready? Does this feel like it's competent? And from the time that I spent with it, which was in that initial kind of more open beta, or was it a closed beta? I can't remember. Um, it didn't really resonate with me. It just didn't feel polished enough to feel to really feel like I was going to give it extra time to wait for it to get good. Like I think in what you shared, Ryan, about the where it's going to land in terms of its release, we're in we're in a really interesting space in the gaming sphere for 2023 and 2024 2024 probably where the overarching space is giving you less maneuverability to be able to have a bad game at launch like that's true the amount the amount of time that people have to dedicate to figuring out if your game is going to get good is infinitesimal now it is extremely small like games like no man's sky that had years to get good and get really really fantastic that is an anomaly now at this point. You have a very small window to get that, especially in the shooter space, which yeah. is full of different games in this in this way. So I, I'm hoping that they can pull it together because I think the premise is interesting. I don't think the execution was really nailed there. Uh, but if they can get something that feels competent, this they may have something, but it also feels like Ubi has a weird track record right now when it comes to games that have been given some space to breathe, but also feel like they've been kind of falling out of favor with a lot of players in a really short amount of time, which also is a, is a, is a problematic thing for them to kind of figure out with games like the crew dropping really, really soon or mm-hmm. other games like that, that are coming out where, you know, the Assassin's Creed's are going to be fine. You know, yeah. those games are going to be great. It's all those other slivers of games, you know, Sea of Thieves, not Sea of Thieves, um, uh, Skull and Bones, Skull and Bones, Skull and Bones. <laughs> <laughs> Don't beat me up, see at these people. If you come and roll up on me with a sea shanty, I'll fight you. But 
but like skull and bones and those kinds of games like they all are these interesting in 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 concept kind of games mm -hmm. they don't feel like they actually resonate with an audience in a much bigger way which has me worried for them because they make great stuff it just they haven't found audiences to galvanize around it so exafine is going to be really weird it's going to be one of the weirdest games of in terms of its launch and, and where it kind of land it's funny yeah. oh go ahead stella please Oh, no, sorry. I was, I was just going to read a point that I've been saying about uh, Ubisoft. It, it just feels like they're always chasing trends and they're like, they're a bit too late for it, right? Like, they're, they're two trends mm -hmm. too late for it. Um, I mean, all of their, their, their Battle Royale, like Hyperscape did not do very well. It was, it was a fine idea, but they just could not pull it off. Um, and it, it's usually I would say this about Extra Fine as well. I, I feel like it has a very high potential to be one of those games that just kind of has its own dedicated audience like um, Rainbow Six Siege. But mm -hmm. it's but they are actually working with the Rainbow Six people and they're like, hey, how do we make a better live service game? Um, how do we make sure everything's balanced? How do we they're actually working very closely with that team, which is great. So I have a little bit more hope about Extra Fine. The name, though, not super into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's one of those things of like I can see it maybe not being a huge FPS contender, but being an FPS game where it has its very own dedicated audience. Um, and I feel like maybe that's the best thing that they can hope for right now because they will pull in people who want to play that game, and they'll stay there, and you know it, it helps build up that fan base for them at least. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. They they've not had a great track record of knowing what their audience wants and being able to capitalize off that and deliver it to their audience. Khalif, you mentioned, pardon me, Assassin's Creed. Uh, I, I, and you also mentioned the crew, the latest, the crew Motorfest, which I completely forgot about. And, and those are two great examples of games that are coming out very soon. Like I think the Motorfest is out either now or, or about to come out and, and uh, mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed Mirage is, is out in uh, early October. Look, it, why would you put X Defiant out there. I know they're, they're not the same genre at all, mm -hmm. but what, you know, there's, there's only so much time and so much, you know, wallet availability, you know, th for, for players. Why would you put X Defiant out when you have two of your own other games out, let alone all the other big Q4 games that are shipping in, in late September and October? It does seem like kind of a bizarre move to, to have that i mean i know there's way more to it i'm sure but it seems like maybe just leave it in like open beta to keep honing it without officially calling it released until like january when things quiet down and then and then have yourself a, a proper launch where you can uh hopefully hopefully pull in players and, and like you said khalif have a lower risk of of having a poor launch and, and losing people really quickly Here's one more more thought to this because I, I didn't think about it until right now. I think one of the biggest issues right now with Ubi Games, and it goes back to weirdly, you know, going back to Splinter Cell, is a lot of the games that are coming out right now under the Ubi umbrella are having a brand identity crisis, and a lot of those games are trying to figure out where they fit in a landscape that is being taken over by, in in good ways, by really fantastic branding and those brands and those ips understanding where they fit within the ecosystem when i think of x defiant i think of a game like hyenas that's coming out and i'm way more excited for a game like hyenas because hyenas is playing off of ip 
it's playing off of brand nostalgia and it's playing off of really tight, you know, uh, um, weightless gameplay, right? Zero G gameplay stuff, right? And the way Lawbreakers did, which, you know, when they had that game out in the yeah. world. There's a lot of things in that game that it's poking at that you can say instantly like, oh, that is why I want to play that game. And the IPs that they're pulling into X Defiant, although individually have their own kind of identity, when you mash them all together, it disperses that in a way that actually doesn't give you a lot to feel mm. about those particular pieces of the games that are in there and the factions that you wind up playing with. So it winds up making the overall package feel less important because you're mashing things together in a way that doesn't work like you would do in Fortnite. Fortnite is doing that really, really well yeah. because it's giving you the skin of that thing to let you pull in that nostalgia and that feel, that goodness that's there, but it's not asking you to be a, a, attached to what those things are in the, in the world. So it's a, it's a really weird space for, for X to find to kind of figure out where it's going to land in, in that yeah. larger conversation with the other games are going to be dropping. Well said. And actually uh, a, a fourth Ubisoft game pops into my head. They've got Avatar frontiers of pandora right. dropping in early oh, December. yeah so th they're they're competing with themselves and the rest of the industry as well um but yeah it is it's funny to me how things change just to to relay a little bit of that uh, certification knowledge that i've accrued from my official xbox magazine years back in the original xbox and xbox 360 days certification used to be the end of the road like mm. where mm -hmm. now it's kind of just a formality and a checkpoint on the road to actually the version that you're going to deliver to customers. Um, and also, interestingly, just to tell you how times have changed, it used to be that the first patch or first update, if you want to call it that, was free to, to get certified through Microsoft, but that any subsequent updates that you wanted to do to your game that of course, because those updates have to go through cert to make sure that they don't completely crash and kill your, your console. Any subsequent updates after that first one would require the developer or publisher to pay Microsoft. You have to pay for cert's time. You know, you're, you're, you're paying for a service there. But obviously today, given how frequent and how common patches and updates are to games now, that policy has changed. But it's... Uh, it, it was it was definitely a very different scene a good you know 10, 10 plus years ago now all right uh let's do a trivia question because we haven't done one in a while and we've got two minutes so we do we can squeeze this in <laughs> this is a good one though listener eugene rice sends this halo trivia question in and it's this which of these halo <clears throat> weapons has never been a nerf branded dart gun so three of the four of these have gotten halo nerf guns one of them hasn't tell me which one has never been nerfified uh but in the literal sense not in the in-game damage dealing oh. sense <laughs> that's a good joke yeah. so uh was it a the magnum which is the three-shot death pistol from Halo 1, B, the Needler, we all know the Needler, C, the Assault <sighs> Rifle, or D, the Rocket Launcher. Three of those have Nerf toy versions. One of them doesn't. Tell me which one doesn't. I will go... I, you're, you both have, have uh, looks on your faces like you are giving this <laughs> strong consideration. Stella, I, we, we know, is newer to Halo, but 
She's a she's a shooter expert. She could deduce maybe maybe come up with a. a... But I'm not a nerf expert. Is the thing. <laughs> nerfs is that we had the giant galahorn in office because yeah, max did the yeah he did the unboxing for that and that thing is super cool um also back in the sf office oh you know in, in our main one um people would just get shot with nerf guns all the time across the <laughs> office so that's like my extent of the nerf guns uh knowledge of the nerf guns but um what do you say stella <sighs> Let's go with C. Because if the they do the Gellahorn, they can do the rocket launcher. Needler is such an iconic weapon. I feel like I've seen it, but maybe I'm gaslighting myself into thinking that. Magnum is also <laughs> an easy one to do. So I'm, I don't know. Assault rifle? That assault seems rifle. a little bit okay. too like generic, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I'll All go right. with that. Khalif? <laughs> I'm trying to think how stinky butt 69 would answer this. Oh my um... god. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go C. I'm gonna go C. I think yeah? C okay. out of all the weapons also would be the kind of easiest to 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 produce and, and well, give you I, some good I, shots on it. I think you both had a sound uh approach to that logic, but the answer is in fact the Magnum. They never made what? a Magnum Was it really? nerf gun. Wait, for... but that's like the easiest one? Because I'm I'm definitely right? sure I've seen that sort of design before. Like Well, huh. not okay. not the Halo version, so uh, Eugene Rice, congratulations. You have stumped the panel. There will be no points awarded this week. But if anybody else out there has a good Xbox trivia question, please send it my way. The email address to send it to is unlocked at IGN.com. Include the question, include four multiple choice answers. Please note the correct answer in your email. And if you'd like, don't forget your name and, of course, your gamer tag. Uh, especially if it's stinky butt 69 because we want to know that <laughs> so uh that brings us to the end of unlocked 612 and uh four or in fact we're rapidly running out of time here so i will simply say thank yes. you to khalif adams who rocks with us uh i'm so grateful to you my friend for your time and your knowledge your enthusiasm and your professionalism that you bring to this place. Thank you so much. <laughs> Stella, thank you for your awesome gamer tag ideas and your, you. your first person shooter knowledge, <laughs> Stella Chung, and our super producer, Red. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. I don't think I bring much to this thing. I got I to gotta step my game up to match these two. So uh, we will see everybody next week for Unlock 613. See you then. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.